Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we're talking about the Hawks' 128-124 win over the Philadelphia 76ers. The Hawks grab a 1-0 series lead behind a huge performance from Trey Young. Hawks go absolutely berserk in the first quarter and are able to hang on and get the win up in Philadelphia. Without further ado, let's get into it. The Hawks go up to Philadelphia and they introduce themselves pretty rudely to the 76ers. And despite some terrible turnovers at the end of the game and frankly a last two minutes that would give any Hawks fan a heart attack, the Hawks came out with a big win. And it was fun to see the guys go up there and really stun a Philadelphia crowd that wasn't ready for this and stun a 76ers team that looked like they had played a lesser team in round one and just were not ready for the Hawks and the offensive firepower that the Hawks have. The Hawks would jump out to a big 42-27 to lead in the first quarter. Both teams shot the ball extremely well in the first quarter, but the 76ers turned the ball over nine times and the Hawks were able to convert that into 14 points. That was the real big difference in the game, or especially in that quarter. The Hawks would go on a 17-0 run from the first quarter to the second quarter, and they had really had everything working. Nick McMillan was able to use his all-bench lineup, which I still think has no place being in the playoffs. But when you have a big lead, the Hawks were able to build a double-digit lead. Players like Lou Williams, Aneka Kongo were able to get their footing and that's really where players like uh, Lou Williams really thrive. He scored all eight of his points in the first half. And it just looked like the Hawks were going to be able to kind of run away and hide with this game. Building a lead so early, you know there's tons of time. And the 76ers got the number one seed in the Easter Conference for a reason. Very strong defensive team. And they were able to work their way back into this game. Um, at the beginning of the third quarter is where I thought the 76ers might make their first run. They definitely made an adjustment. After Trey Young torches Danny Green for 25 points in the first half, the 76ers busted out a few more different defenses to throw at the Hawks guard, but Trey Young was able to figure it out. One great thing about Trey is he's seen pretty much every defense at this point, and w- with the team that he has around him now, he's able to get the ball out quickly, and his teammates are able to take advantage of now being in a 4 on 3 situation. Uh, one of the most impressive parts of the Hawks' performance in this one was they built that 20-point lead, it got up to as many as 26 in the second quarter, and they didn't let the Philadelphia 76ers cut into that lead by halftime or really by the end of the third quarter. The Hawks would lose the third quarter 25-29, to give up four points, but they kept the 76ers at bay for a long stretches of this game. And Their runs on both sides, the third quarter in particular, was pretty balanced with the Hawks starting out with a 5-0 run. Then the 76ers going on a 6-0 run themselves. The Hawks had a 10-0 run in the middle of it. And then the 76ers would go on two um, little runs to close the gap to 16. But the Hawks were just hanging on. And anytime it felt like that the 76ers were going to make a push to really get into this game, the Hawks were able to hit a big three-pointer, find somebody in the paint. Um, They really got strong contributions, especially without DeAndre Hunter, who was a game-time decision not to play. Um, They were able to fill his minutes with strong play from Solomon Hill and Kevin Herter. And again, just hit timely shots. And any time it felt like the 76ers might get something going, maybe get the crowd back into it, the Hawks were able to hit a shot that would silence it. Kevin Herter in particular hit a couple threes right in front of the Sixers bench and was able to turn around and talk to them. And it was just really nice to see that the Hawks take this in stride. Now, going into the fourth quarter, 
that would all change. But again, the Hawks kept a double-digit lead all the way up until two minutes to go in this game. And that's when kind of the fireworks really started to happen in this game. As a Hawks fan, that last two minutes felt like it lasted two hours because the Hawks just started to face a really desperate team in the 76ers. The Sixers knew how important this game one was. Embiid was a game-time decision, and he ultimately played. He is playing on a small meniscus tear in his right knee, and it just wasn't the same Joel Embiid. He was very effective. Joel would end the game with 39 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, um, 3 blocks, a steal. He is a monster. There is a reason he is in the MVP uh, finalist category. He is just a monster down low, and he's had huge games against the Hawks. I did think Clint Capella made it tough for Embiid, but Embiid was able to get where he wanted on the court. But you could tell that Embiid just wasn't playing with the joy he normally plays with. There were a couple times where he had an emphatic dunk. And he also had an offensive foul or a foul on a rebound where he came down kind of awkwardly. And you could see that there's some pain on his face. And it was just a lot of work for Embiid to be out there and play 38 minutes. But um, he came back in and the 76ers turned up the pressure. They started really pressing the ball um, for the full 94 feet. And the Hawks were also out of timeouts. There had been a trap where Kevin Herter got trapped. And the Hawks were able were forced to use their last time out with 1.30 to go. And it really hurt the Hawks. The Hawks, from that point on, had a bunch of just really tough turnovers after the game. Trey talked about he how he has to be better. But the Hawks had a five-second turnover after a 76ers make. Um, they The Hawks did a nice job of getting fouling Ben Simmons. And Simmons was awful at the free throw line. Frankly, his free throw shooting is one of the most disappointing developments um since he's come into the NBA the fact that a defensive of the player defensive player of the year candidate slash um all-star can't hit free throws and especially can't hit free throws down at the end of the games is just disastrous and the Hawks got him to the free throw line um Simmons helped them by making one of two free throws but Embiid was able to follow uh the missed free throw up get the ball and put it in the basket for an and one um and this lead that was Again, as much as 26, the Hawks saw it dwindle all the way down to two with under with about 10 seconds to go. With And uh, with the pressure and the turnovers that the Hawks had had, it was like two points might not be enough. The um, 76ers had been able to cut the lead to 126 to 124. And the Hawks would get the ball into Bogdan Bogdanovich. He would get fouled with eight seconds to go and knock down two free throws for the ultimate difference in this game, 128 to 124. Um, there was no timeouts for the 76ers and they didn't even get a really good shot off, but really big gut check win for the Hawks. There were a couple of really strong performances up and down the the roster, but really good of the Hawks to get this win. And after the game, both Nate McMillan and Trey Young echoed the sentiment that, you know, it's good to be able to get some learning done with this team after a win often in basketball you learn the most about your team during losses and what you do wrong. And after that first quarter, this Hawks team was cruising. And I don't know how much they would have taken away from this game. But uh, by being up as much as they did, the Hawks forced a lot of changes from the 76ers. I thought Doc Rivers was forced to kind of show his hand and in, in what he wants to do as this series progresses. In the second half, Ben Simmons had a little bit more opportunity to guard Trey Young. Matisse Thibel came out there. And then, of course, that press at the end of the game was something that I'm sure Doc did not want to have to bust out in game one. And now the Hawks have all seen that. That's all on tape. 
So hopefully they'll be able to take that and uh, make some changes and not have what happened at the end of the fourth quarter happen again. Um, there's been a lot of talk about like maybe the 76ers, they figured out ball pressure is going to be the thing to break the Hawks. I mean, if the Hawks know that you're going to ball pressure. They're going to practice that and be ready for it. And on the other side, it is exhausting to try to do that. And so um, I'm sure that go ahead, 76ers, if you want to press for 48 minutes, do your worst. Your bench was not one of your strong suits. Going deeper into that bench is not going to be a help to you. And so it'll it's going to be a little bit of a chess match seeing if Doc decides to uh, turn up that to that press more or if the Hawks are able to figure it out and not necessarily turn it over as much as they did. On the individual uh, performance front, starting with the Hawks, Trey Young, again, another really strong performance. He basically torched Danny Green for those 25 points in the first half. He would finish with 35 points on 11 of 23 shooting, 4 of 11 from three-point land, 9 of 9 at his free throws. He had two rebounds, 10 assists, and two steals. And big for Trey, he only had four turnovers. He did have one of the turnovers at the end of the game. Um, and I think getting to see some video for Trey is especially helpful. He will know where these, um, double teams are coming from, where the press is coming from. And one thing with Trey is if he knows defenders are going to be aggressive and Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel are both very good at getting steals. The 76ers led the league in steals this year. Um, he knows he can make the next skip pass. And so I would expect Trey to be a lot better prepared for the trap next game. John Collins it's really weird to say John Collins had a quiet game because I think he was one of the most important Hawks in this game. He played 34 minutes, which right away, you know, that's really big. John can get in foul trouble, but guarding Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons a lot of the time, he did not get in foul trouble. Um, he finished the game with 21 points on seven of nine shooting, three of four from the three-point line, got his four three-pointers up. John is too good of a shooter not to get his three-pointers up, and I would be very surprised if the 76ers have their same defense set up for the Hawks because the Hawks were able to get up any three-pointer they wanted. The Hawks would finish this game 20 of 47 from three, 42.6%. Uh, and I, don't, I think the Hawks left some shots out there. There was a lot of open three-pointers for the Hawks. And John Collins led the charge. He also had a just awesome alley-oop at the end of the game and one over Embiid that kind of iced it where Trey Young made one of his audacious passes kind of right at half court um, when the Sixers were really scrambling, hoping to to turn this really big deficit into a win. And it was just great to see how hyped up John Collins was. But 21 points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, and just four fouls. Bogdan Bogdanovich, he had seven big points in the fourth quarter, but he finished the game with 21 points as well. Four rebounds, five assists, a steal. He hit the two free throws at the end of the game that really iced it for the Hawks, and he continues just to bring a toughness at that two-guard position for the Hawks. Um, this is a very physical 76ers team, very frustrating team to play because they want to get so physical on defense, and then any time they get touched on offense, they go down and they claim that there's a foul or something, so I don't know how they're trying to play both ways. But much like the Knicks game where Julius Randle hit Bogdan Bogdanovich in the face, Bogdan got stoned again on a offensive screen that they the refs didn't call for whatever reason. And Bogdan continues to not be faced by that, just get upset. He doesn't like go to the ref. He doesn't try to fight the player on the other team. He just goes down and takes care of his business. He had a huge three-pointer on a really awesome assist from 
uh, Kevin Herter, that he was able to do his own version of Trey Young's shushing the crowd, and it's just good to see Bogey continue to play well in the playoffs. Clint Capella had a tough matchup going against an MVP candidate, a all-world candidate, and Joel Embiid is tough, and Capella put in 32 minutes. He was 5 of 9 from the field. A little bit of frustration with Clint Capella for not dunking it, and there was one um, roll to the rim in particular where Solomon Hill had just a beautiful pass, uh, and Clint Capella wasn't able to finish. But Capella gives you 32 minutes of good defense and at least makes it tough for Clint Capella. He had uh, those 11 points, 10 rebounds for another double-double. He did have five fouls. Um, I thought Nate McMillan showed a little bit of trust in his center when Clint Capella had four fouls in the third quarter, and he left his his center in there. Um, he also had one steal and one block. Finally, uh, rounding out the starters, without DeAndre Hunter, Solomon Hill got the start. He was two of seven. All of his shots coming from behind the three-point line for six points. He had three rebounds, a steal, and a block, and continues to be a veteran the Hawks can lean on. Anytime you could see the young players getting frustrated, Solomon Hill would go over and kind of talk to him, whether it was a Kongwu, Kevin Herter, or any of our young guys. He had a beautiful steal on Tobias Harris in transition, which was awesome, and it's good to see Solomon Hill putting in good time for the Hawks. The Hawks bench outscored the 76ers bench 34-28. to um, I thought that was a big advantage, especially early in the game. They got very good performances from Kevin Herter, Danilo Gallinari, and Lou Williams. All three of those guys getting on the um, in the scoring box pretty good. I thought Kevin Herter in particular had one of his strongest games. He played 29 minutes with 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 on his three-pointers. Again, a couple of corner threes right in the front of the 76ers bench. One of the weird things about the 76ers bench is I think their coaches – get up and yell more than their players do. Dwight Howard stands the entire game and is just his no normal um, annoying self. But they, the Sixers have some uh, assistant coaches who like to get up and really converse with the officials. And it was cool to see Red Velvet hit a couple threes right in their face. He had five rebounds, four assists, a steal, and just that one turnover with the five-second penalty at the end of the fourth quarter. Danilo Gallinari um, was able to come in. He was two of four. One of two on the uh, three-point land, four of four on free throws for nine points. He had a massive dunk where Air Italy landed. I don't know if it's Air Italy, uh, Mohawk Air, um, Air Chick, Air Rooster, but Danilo dunking it in the fourth quarter almost feels like it should be an auto win for the Hawks. Lou Williams came in. All eight of his points were in the first half. He had two rebounds and assist. He was a team high plus 16. Again, I thought the Hawks bench unit really took did their job effectively and took it to the 76ers second unit i would imagine we don't see a full second unit from the 76ers again after that poor play in the first game finally um tony snell got in briefly for three minutes and then aneko congo came in and brought some really good energy from the hawks he had a nice dunk in transition after a steal um three rebounds and assists two steals and a block he is an interesting foil next to dwight howard who did not have his best game because Aneka brings a ton of energy, and it's just there. And a lot of the things that Dwight Howard wants to do, whether it's just bang into people, um, get on the offensive glass, can be negated by somebody who has a lot of energy uh, like Akangwu. On the Philly side, it starts with Embiid, obviously. Again, I did not think he looked 100%, but the Cameroonian big man finished 12 of 21 from the field, just one of three from three-point land, but 14 of 15 from the free throw line. 
39 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, 3 blocks. He was just everywhere. If the 76ers do not have Embiid, if he is unable to go, I don't know where their offense comes from. It's a little bit frustrating as a 76ers fan, I'm sure, because to get that good offense, it is usually like 10 seconds into the shot clock. Get it down to Joel. He's going to make a couple moves and then eventually get a layup or a dunk or something like that, which is good offense. But when the Hawks are shooting 20 of 47 from three-point land, you're just going to lose ground, even if you're getting good shots in the paint. But Embiid was everywhere. He was really uh, the engine that kept the 76ers in this game. And it's going to be something to watch his health going forward because you could tell that his knee was hurting him a little bit. And if you had told me before the game that Embiid's going to play and Hunter's not, I would be like, it's going to be really hard for the Hawks to win the game. And the Hawks were able to come out and get that win. Seth Curry had a solid game. Being the younger Curry brother, he can still shoot the ball from three really well. The Hawks did a nice job of containing him for most of the game, but he got loose in the fourth quarter. He was 7 of 12 from the field, 5 of 9 from three. He had 21 points, four rebounds, three assists. Um, Tobias Harris played 36 minutes. Tobias Harris is uh, simultaneously the most consistent and the quietest of the kind of 76ers big three. He was 8 of 13 from the field, just 1 of 4 from three-point land for 20 points. He had 10 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 steals. Ben Simmons, man, there is not a more annoying player to go against. He's just a super strong defender. Both him and Matisse Thibel are kind of like sharks on defense because if the ball handler picks up the ball, they're going to be looking at the next passes and trying to get in those passing lanes. Both of them had steals, but Simmons finished 7 of 7 from the field for 17 points, just 3 of 10 from the free throw line again. It is such a liability having him out there. Um, and a, as a guy that gets a lot of his points right in the paint, that can be an extra liability because teams are just going to start fouling you and sending you to the line. Um, but Simmons was able to be effective in this game. Uh, he had four rebounds, 10 assists, four steals, but he did have five turnovers. And those turnovers were so huge in the first quarter. Off the bench, uh, Matisse Thibault played 18 and a half minutes, four of six, two of four from three-point line. If they're getting threes from Matisse Thibel, that's a really big boost off the bench for, for the 76ers. And that was huge for the Hawks to get a win, even when the uh, Sixers were getting some extra shooting from their bench. He had finished with 10 points, a rebound, a steal, assist, and a block. And one of the ad adju adjustments I think that the 76ers might make is making a change to their starting unit. Danny Green was largely ineffective. Um, he played, he was the primary defender for the Hawks uh, against Trey Young for a strong, long stretches of this game. And Trey just could move around him. There's some times where it looks like Danny Green is like Batman, um, who can't, you know, turn his neck without turning his entire body. And that just is not going to work on defense. And the, um, Trey Young was able to get uh, a lot of 76ers in foul trouble. And that's mainly because he could go right around Danny Green at any time. Um, I would not be surprised to see Matisse Thibel be put into the starting lineup over Danny Green. Uh, Furkan Kormaz got a lot of his points at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. He was three of five from the field, just one of three, one of two from three point land for seven points. He had four rebounds as well. He's another player with length that, again, I thought did a little bit of better job uh, being on defense. Just his length could bother Hawks a little bit more than um, some of their starters. Finally, Dwight Howard played just eight minutes, 
did not have any points. His one shot that he missed, he actually missed it like three times. He got his own rebound, put it up again, didn't make it. Um, I thought, again, Okongwu is kind of a nice matchup against Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard's minutes just kind of reflect how important Joel Embiid is for the Sixers. Because if they don't have Embiid, it means that they're probably going to have to put Ben Simmons at the five. And uh, that's going to be trouble for the uh, 76ers because Clint Capella can take Ben Simmons in the post every time, but um, just really strong performance from the Hawks to get go up to Philadelphia and get game one um, in any series. You kind of just want to get one of two away so you can just win your home games and be in. And by winning game one, the Hawks put a ton of pressures on the Sixers to win this game too. Um, the Hawks were able to do this without DeAndre Hunter. They were able to build a huge lead and show a lot of poise at the end of the game, even though it seemed like everything was lost and, they were quote-unquote uh, buckling under the pressure. The Hawks hung in there and got huge performances from Trey Young, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and John Collins, and those are exactly the guys you want to see. Again, I thought Kevin Herter was so big with a couple of his passes. Uh, one of his passes, again, on that press, he was being defended by two players, and he somehow found John Collins streaking down the court, and J.C. was so far ahead that uh, Joel Embiid had to foul him, and that was a clear path foul that was two shots and the ball what would turn into a five-point possession because after John Collins hit those two free throws, Trey Young found him for that alley-oop where he got an and-one, and really that was the difference in the game ultimately. But big performance from the Hawks. Can't do anything but be happy and proud of them. And now it's like go into game two and do it again. The 76ers are not going to turn it over nine times in one quarter again, but the, the Sixers have to find some sort of defense to go against Trey Young, and the Hawks will be more prepared, um, and it'll be a ton of fun to watch because the 76ers were making adjustments even just in after halftime. It was pretty dramatic to see the switch in defensive philosophy, and it did slow the Hawks down, but big win in Philadelphia. The Hawks moved to 1-0 and in the series. They have to get three more wins. The next game is tomorrow on Tuesday at 7.30, and then the series will shift back to Atlanta on Friday. But uh, the Kettlecast will be here to cover that game tomorrow on Tuesday. Go Hawks. Thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks.